0: Hey everybody, Jordan Boys here to talk to you about Easter that's coming up very soon, and we're going to have it at the Dunkin' Donut Center here in Providence, Rhode Island. All four of our campuses, all eight of our services will be coming together in one location at the Dunk at 10.30 a.m. to have a mega worship service together. And so we want to invite you. This is a free event. It is for all ages. And uh, we have tons of stuff planned. Not only will it be an incredible service, where I believe many people will be impacted and changed, but we have lots of stuff planned for the kids. We have a family photo booth forum, Meet the Easter Bunny, and we have 35,000 Easter eggs that we're going to to give to the kids that show up and, and face painting, all that fun stuff out in the lobby. And, and inside, it will be you know, a worship experience with an uplifting message, something that you can bring your entire family to. We were really encouraging, not only for you to show up, but for you to invite your friends, invite your family, save some rows, and uh, bring them out to church in an are- arena on Easter and I think it's going to be a pretty special experience so we'd love to see you out there mark your calendars now help us spread the word and get excited because I think God is going to begin something brand new even for our church in this region on that Sunday and I hope you'll be a part of it
1: Thanks for listening to the New Life Podcast We hope this message inspires and encourages you today I want to talk to you about the fact that God is a powerful God. He sets you free. He watches over you. He goes before you. He goes behind you. I thank God that He is a powerful God. You know, the Bible says that God is holy. God is holy. And you know, you could, you could tolerate a lot of things that God wasn't. Like if He couldn't be everywhere at once, you know, you'd say, well, you know. Or, or if He didn't know every single thing, like He didn't know every single thought that every person was thinking right now. God not not only knows every single thought that you're thinking now, but he knows every single thought you could be thinking now. (laughs) And he knows every thought you should be thinking now and the thoughts you had before and the thoughts you're going to have in the future. I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't bother me if God didn't know all of that. I'll tell you, what would bother me, though, is if we found out that God wasn't actually holy. If God wasn't actually uh, a God of integrity, a God of kindness and compassion, holiness. Holiness means that he is completely and totally right, good. And the overarching truth in all of history that God is proving throughout the the, the remainder of all eternity, eons upon eons, is that God is a good God or God is a holy God. Every accusation that the devil might have against him in the garden with Adam and Eve or in your heart or in your mind will be totally put to rest when we see from the beginning to the end that God is a holy God was always a holy God, was always a good God. Can you say amen? And when God comes and he rescues us and he saves us, when he saves us, it's not just that he, he, he gives you eternal life, which would be awesome, but God not only does that, but he sets you free from what you were in. He sets you free from it. So that so that you're not just, I mean, so God's victory, Jesus' victory was over sin and the grave. So the, 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 the power of sin no longer dictates to you. It no longer overcomes you. It no longer pushes you around and makes you into something you don't want to be because the, the power of sin was broken by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so I thank God for my salvation, but I also am thanking God that my salvation means that I no longer am under the power of sin. I'm no longer under the power and the press of, of darkness. And it doesn't mean that you don't fail. It doesn't mean that you don't struggle. It doesn't mean that you don't have temptation or whatever. It means that, that sin as the overarching force that would dictate to you has been broken. And so when we're in the Old Testament and, 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 and bringing our sacrifice before the Lord and understanding what the commandments are and trying to do the right thing and having a priesthood that, that goes before us and all that stuff, that, that's, that's, all, uh, that's all well and fine but you still are under the power of sin. You can't get out from underneath it. It's only until Jesus comes and takes victory over sin, victory over death and the grave, that he then hands you that in salvation. So I thank God that he sets me free from sin. He sets me free from the power of sin. He sets me free from the darkness of it. And so what what I'm, I'm trying to say is, I can now walk as a Christian man, or woman, whoever, whoever you are, you can now walk in the freedom that God sets you free from, from sin. Amen? You don't have to be less than. You don't have to be broken. You don't have to be bound up. You don't have to be tortured. You don't have to be, you know, dictated to. You've been set free from that. Amen? So that brings peace to my heart. It brings peace to my mind. It, brings, it, it allows me to be what God has called me to be. And so I want to talk to you about that tonight. If you could turn in your Bibles to Judges, the sixth chapter. Israel is in this cycle of backsliding and then being delivered. Backsliding and then being delivered. Going back and then being delivered. And, you know, in this day and age, uh, and, I, and I hate to talk like that because it sounds like an old person, you know. <laughs> Nowadays. But, but the fact of the matter is um, the church sometimes wants to be so relevant or so cool that we don't talk about sin anymore. We don't talk about the ravages of sin. We don't ever even believe that any of us could ever be touched by it. Or or, or, or if we are, it almost doesn't matter. <laughs> Come on. I'm under the grace. I can do whatever and be whatever. I want you to know the good news is that you can be set free from it. You can be set free from it. You can have the joy of the Lord. You can have the peace of God. You can have the deliverance of your mind and your thoughts. You do not have to be under the crush. And and the and the and the toxicity, the poison of sin. God wants to set you free, but Israel was caught in this in this cycle of drifting back into the ways of sin. And so in Judges the sixth chapter it says this in verse one, it says again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. And so the the the, the seven year thing is is a cycle. It could, could be talked about in, in terms of. They were completely given over, or they were given over for this cycle of time that, that is a, a, a kind of a um, self uh, contained period of judgment. It is judgment that comes on them because they did evil in the, in the lord 's eyes. They, they slipped back, and what they did was was they began to worship these false gods of the Midianites. The Midianites had these idols, and Israel began to worship the gods of the Midianites, and so they came under the oppression. Or the oppressive force of the Midianites. Do you know that it, it, if, you, if you begin to idolize the th- things that the world idolizes. You know, we're supposed to be in the world but not of the world. Isn't that true? Yeah. But when you start to be of the world. And when you start to let the, the gates open. And you start to let the, the, the things come in on you, you. You come under the same curse that those idols will bring to others that are out there. You say, well, they're doing it. Yeah, but they're not free. Yeah. Well, they're doing it. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're broken. God sets you free. Amen? And so, But you can't let the idols of these things that, that maybe the world is into, you can't let that stuff come into your life unless you're going to be under the same curse that those things bring. You know, um, I, I don't really have time to get into it, but when you go into s- some different nations and they're under a false god and a false religion, let me tell you, you can see the fruit of that thing. You can see the fruit of it. Um, Jordan and I were uh, in a foreign land. I won't tell you where it was, but we were in a foreign land one time, and we were walking through the marketplace. And when I tell you this marketplace was so terrible and so stinky and so dirty, the, 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 the human waste actually went right under the street, you know, right under the grates of right where we were in the marketplace. And you'd be walking in the marketplace like, this place is terrible. And you couldn't tell what was on the... Uh, what was on the counter there? It was all outdoors. Until you went like this and the flies would all go away. And they'd say, you'd say, oh, okay, it's a pig's head. I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> then you go like this. Oh, that's fish. And I'm going to pass on that. And I remember Jordan saying, Dad, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. This place is terrible. I said, hold on. Hold on. I said, you see up the hill? Look up the hill. You can see. You see up the hill? That's, that's the temple. And the blessings of their God flow down here. That's the blessings of their God that flow down here. And he stood and he looked up at the temple and he's thinking, what blessings? Exactly, exactly. But it, when you come under the curse of the false gods and the idols, when you come under the curse of what sin will bring, you end up You, end up, you know, uh, reaping that reward. The Bible says that the wages of sin is Death. And and death comes in a lot of different forms. It, 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 can, it can be just this leaking, dripping, toxic poison that steals your joy, makes you feel empty. You never have any you never have any faith. You never have a good confession. You because there's something that, that is that is damaging you. See, and so what happened was that the Midianites were were this oppressive force, the, the wages of sin. And, and, and so Gideon is this man that's going to come along and bring deliverance, br- bring them from this place of oppression into a place of freedom, bring them from this place of, of bondage into a place of, of victory. And so it says in verse two, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts and caves and in strongholds. You know, sin pushes you back. Sin pushes you back. You end, up being, you end up being pushed into the cave. You end up being pushed out of your destiny. You end up being pushed away from who it is you're really supposed to be. You're not supposed to be this person pushed back into poverty, pushed back into shame, pushed back into guilt. You're not supposed to be that. But, but the oppressive force of sin will push you back into a place you were never destined to be. So here are the poor Israelites. They can't live in prosperity. They can't live in their cities. They can't live... with their harvest field and their flocks and so forth, because sin, the oppressive force, was so powerful that it pushed them back into the caves. And in verse 6 it says, "Midian so impoverished. There's the word. Sin will impoverish you. It impoverishes you. It steals from you what it is you're supposed to have. I want you to know it'll take away your fruitfulness. You'll end up being barren. This may be for you, or this may be for the future, Or this may be for you, just your understanding about what sin does. We have to have an understanding of just how powerful salvation is. It sets you free from the darkness and the bondage of sin that the devil wants to impoverish you in. You know, uh, but Midian was so impoverished, impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. How many know the story or remember the story of the prodigal son? He got into such a place, sometimes God will let that sin so impoverish you till you get to the point where you finally cry out. You finally get to the point where you say, I am so sick of this. I'm so sick of me. (laughs) I'm so sick of this garbage. I'm so sick of this bondage. I'm so sick of this aspect that should not be me. So the prodigal son, the Bible says, was this farmhand feeding the pigs and so hungry, so starving, so so impoverished that he desired to have the very husks that he was feeding the pigs. The corn husks and, the, and, and the, the chafe and all the garbage that they would throw in the pig's pen. When we lived out in Rehoboth, Nancy and I, when we first got married, we lived out in uh, Rehoboth and this guy had uh, about four or five different pigs. I want you to know they're very dirty. Pigs are very dirty. I mean, maybe you have one and he's in your kitchen and, you, you know, you clean them up and you hose them off and so forth. But naturally, they don't mind being dirty. They actually don't mind the pen. And I'll tell you, pigs don't just stink like cows. Pigs stink like worse than you can imagine. It's not good. It's, it's, it's bad. It's pungent. Your eyes water. Because I used to have to go out there with the garbage and throw it into the pig's thing. Because the, the uh, landlord would tell us, take your garbage and throw it out there with the pig. You know, I'll do anything with my garbage. I ain't going back out there. These things are nasty. These things are nasty. They're wallowing around in brown stuff, and it's not all mud. And so, God will allow the nastiness of the Midianites that you will allow to creep in. Are you hearing me? He will allow that nastiness to get to the level where you actually cry out because you know this should not be my portion. This should not be where I'm at, where I, where, where my destiny. There's a story told about D.L. Moody, and he was in Chicago with another minister, and they were walking across the street, and as they went to jump off the curb, there was a, there was a drunk laying in the corner uh, at the curbstone, and they almost tripped over him, and when they did, they turned around, and they looked at him with astonishment, and and a little bit of like oh my goodness maybe even judgmentalism i don't know but it forced this man the, the the story is told he looked up and he said to both of them you should have seen what i was supposed to be see there's something that you know deep down inside you're supposed to be and it is not in bondage it is not brokenness it's not impoverished it's not in with the pigs and you know it. But I'll tell you, sin will affect every portion of your life. It'll steal your joy. It'll take away your faith. It'll take away your, your confession. You, you, you can't help it. You're struggling with shame. You're struggling with guilt. You're struggling with, with, with the consequences that sin brings. And you can't get out of your own way. And, and, and you know what else, too? And, I mean, we could go on here and just talk about it in, in detail. But there's no need. But things unravel. Sin has a way of unraveling the rest of everything else that's supposed to be together. It'll unravel your finances. It'll unravel your relationships. It'll unravel who it is you are supposed to be. It'll unravel your confidence. So you almost will be willing to settle for less because you don't think you deserve more because sin has come and told you you're no good. Do not dare believe God for something more. It begins to speak to you. You Every time there's sin, there's barrenness. Every time there's sin, there's, there's no fruit. And what was happening to the, to the Israelites is the Midianites were, were ravaging their fields and their flocks and taking away their fruitfulness, taking away who, the, who it is they were supposed to be. I want you to know, if sin starts to work in your life, you know you're supposed to be more fruitful than you actually are. You know things are not supposed to be falling apart the way they're falling apart. There's something in you, and I believe the Spirit of God says, this should not be the way. And it echoes in your heart. You know, you know something, I have a destiny. So they cried out. And you know what, I'll tell you something, when you cry out, you've come to the point where you actually cry out to God, things will shift. Things will shift. You see, all of a sudden now, it's the cry of who it is you are deep down inside that knows this should not be the way. And I begin to cry out. And it goes on in verse 11, it says this, the angel of the Lord came. When you cry out, God will come. When you cry out, God will show up. Amen? He is a merciful God. This is not the Old Testament. Jesus did die on the cross. And when you cry out, God will show up. Amen. And he sat down under the oak uh, at Ophrah and, and belonged to Joash, the Ebers, right, Where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, he's threshing wheat in the winepress because he had reduced his life down to coping i'm 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 not able to thresh wheat at the the place where the millstone is with the oxen and out in the open and all that other stuff because we are so oppressed i've reduced my life down to something that is so less it's so little it's so unfruitful it's so barren that i'm in the wine press just scrunching out a, a measly little bit here this is a picture of what sin will reduce you to this is a picture of what sin will force you back into. Now, this is, this is Israelite, the Israelites in this cycle of backsliding. Here they are, and, 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 and he's, he's forced down into this living in a rut, making do. See, sin forces you to compromise the real you. This is not the real Gideon. This is not who God had hoped this Israelite would be. He was supposed to be a mighty man of God, but here he is hiding scratching out a living under this bondage and under this brokenness. I want you to know something. When, 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 when sin begins to plant its roots into your life and it looks like it ain't moving because you have not cried out and it begins to just wrap its tentacles around you, what happens is you begin to change from who it is you should be and who it is you are supposed to be to normalize this place. As, this, is, this is where I'm at. And, and, and Gideon, he normalized it. He began to... He began to normalize. This is a picture of what happened to Israel. Just settle for less. You can allow that to be normal. Your thinking can make excuses for it. Well, you know, everybody's doing this. Everybody's caught in this. Nobody's Superman. Nobody's totally free. Nobody's living a life of joy. How many people do you know that's really fruitful? And we, you, begin to, you begin to make excuses and actually think in terms of this is normal. This is normal. This is Okay. It's just who I am. I can't deny that, yeah, this is a place that I'm just totally in bondage. And, uh, you know, it sin has me and it's wrapped me up and it's, it's got its tentacles around me. So I'll just live less. I'll just live here. The problem is, for you and I, church, normal is supposed to be living a supernatural life. We're supposed to be living a supernatural life. Normal is that you're supposed to be fruitful. You're supposed to be abundant. You're supposed to be an overcomer. You're supposed to be a conqueror. You're supposed to have a confession. You're supposed to be able to pray. You're supposed to be able to prophesy. Normal is supposed to be up here living with God. Come on, with a powerful effect and the joy of the Lord. That's what normal is supposed to be. Sin brings you down. You can't ever lift your voice. You can't ever really prophesy. You can't ever really pray. You can't ever really be joyful because sin has pushed you down here. You're in the wine press just scratching out a few little kernels of corn because that's as far as I can live in this whole thing. I want you to know, normal for you is supposed to be the supernatural. Normal for you is supposed to be the miraculous. Can you say amen? The miraculous. God wants you to be a mighty person in him. I'll tell you, when you go to work, when you go to work, show up as the healer. Show up as the pastor. Show up as the prophet. You don't have to tell everybody. I would recommend you don't. But when you show up to work, show up as the prophet and begin to prophesy over people. Begin to prophesy over their lives. I know what God has for you. I can tell you're going to go to the Dunkin' Donut Center on Easter and God is going to completely change your life. I can tell. I remember one time we were at a rock the city and it was all over and I was driving home and there was some, some folks from our church and they were in the same neighborhood. But I ended up in this one gas station and I went in there. I was looking for a Red Bull. You know, I had to have a Red Bull fix. But this was early on before Red Bull was really, you know, as famous as it is now. And so this guy didn't know what it was. So I, I, said, uh, I said to him, hey, do you have any Red Bull? And the guy behind the counter in this gas station says, uh, oh, no, we don't sell that here. I said, oh, no, you know, he says, um, but I, I, I know where they sell it. He says, down in Providence. And he starts talking about this uh, strip joint. Maybe, maybe this is too much information for you guys. <laughs> this is, uh, this is uh, above 14. Wait, this is PG-13. Uh, church so anyway he starts telling me about this strip joint and so forth and he he says have you ever been there and I said now I talk about showing up as a prophet I said oh no I can't go in there he said how come I said well because there's demonic spirits in there I said it's a very dark place demonic spirits of adultery and I said what happens is you don't even realize it but those spirits of adultery get on you and they begin to control you And before you know it, you're you're, you're divorced, you're separated from your wife, your whole life is a mess. Now, I'm telling you the truth. This is exactly, I don't know why I was saying that because I never talk like that. But I was (laughs) drilling this guy. I said, there are dark spirits, demonic spirits in that place of adultery and, 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 and lust. And I said, when that gets on you, it will break up your marriage. You'll find yourself divorced and all this. Now, this guy is like this. And I I, I stop short of saying, you're divorced, aren't you? You're going to these strip joints, aren't you? Something got on your life, and this is demonic. But I am prophesying to you right now, there is a way out. There is a way out, and his name is Jesus Christ. I mean, I laid it on him. I left him. He was bleeding and cut into pieces on the floor. I had that double-edged sword. So, so anyway, I leave. No sooner do I walk out the door and somebody from the church is walking in. I say, hey, I just witnessed to that guy. Go nail him. <laughs> I just told that guy about Jesus. Go and nail him. And, but, but I want you to know, God wants you to go, you know, and he tells Gideon, go in the strength. Go in this side I might. God wants you to go as the pastor, as the priest, as the prophet that you are. Not the bound up, bottled up, tied up person in sin. God wants you free from that so that you can walk in the normal of the supernatural, walk in the normal of the miraculous, walk in the normal of the prophetic. That's what God wants for us. Can you say amen? Amen. And so this guy starts to normalize this thing and dumb it down. In verse 12, it says this, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I want you to know God will always call you by your destiny. Not by the sin that maybe has you trapped. God will not call you by the sin that has you trapped. He will deliver you from that. So God doesn't show up and say, Hey, Gideon, you broken down, greedy. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, Gideon, I understand, you know, you you pervert. He doesn't say, Gideon, you... He doesn't nail the sin. He, He speaks the destiny. And I want you to know... No matter what it is you feel like you're trapped in or, or no matter where it is your struggle is, God is calling you by your destiny, who it is you really are in God. Amen? And so you, that's why you begin to disdain this thing. God doesn't show up and say to the prodigal son, So, you pig farmer, how you doing? You mighty pig farmer, I understand you're starving to death and you want to get out of here. No, no. He says, you royal son of God, I'm ready to deliver you out of this place. And the first step of deliverance it w- is when it begins to dawn on you, I'm not supposed to be in this bondage. I'm not supposed to be here. This is, not, this is not the real me. I'm supposed to be a person of nobility. That's who I'm supposed to be. You ever say to yourself, I'm not supposed to be here? I know, I know I'm not supposed to be here. I don't fit. Nancy and I went to uh, Daytona Beach at uh, Bike Week, and uh, it's pretty—it's pretty intense week. There's 500,000 motorcyclists from all over the uh, all over the United States that show up at Daytona Beach, and they have a race at Daytona every year at that same time. We actually went down for the race, but so we would figure we would go into Daytona and check out the sights and the sounds. And it's two o'clock in the afternoon, but I want you to know we were walking down that street, and we were we were like two. You know, junior high kids yeah. I- on spring break, you know, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> Nancy's holding on to me. I'm holding on to her. And, and, and we said to ourselves, we, we don't belong here. We don't belong here. Now, there might be some of you guys that are rough and tough and you have a ministry and that's where you go and, you, you know, you, you talk about Jesus or whatever. That's fine. I, and I, I think that might be a good thing, good for you or whatever. But for, for me and Nancy, we, we knew this was, this, was, this was vexing our spirits because of the sights and the sounds and, 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 and you know sometimes you just know this, is, this isn't me you have nobility on you you have nobility on you young men you do not have to force yourself into a, a, a wrong relationship with a woman because you're noble you're royal priesthood you do not have to be that because you're not that and the same thing with the woman. You do not have to become easier. You not worry about losing a guy. You're not that. You're a royal woman of God. You're nobility. The Bible talks about when two come together, it's a holy matrimony. You don't have to have the unholy thing. You're not unholy. You're set free from the unholy. And God makes you free from that so that you can be the noble person that he's called you to be. And I think that Gideon and the Israelites knew we're not supposed to be here. And God said, you're a mighty warrior. And in verse 13, it says this, But sir, Gideon replied, if if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders? Where is the power of God that our father told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Yes, that's true, but for your own good. And you know something? God, for your own good, will let you, will let you see. Okay, the consequences of sin is not going to be good. You might, not, you might need to see that. It's not unlike God to let that stove actually burn you so that you learn that lesson. And so here's Gideon kind of throwing the thing on God. You know, where's God? Where's God? Let me tell you something. You're not here because God abandoned you. You're here because you abandoned Him. You're not here because God walked away from you. You're here because you walked away from God. And God will let the thing that you needed to grab onto make you sick enough, make you broken enough, make you impoverished enough to where you say, God, this is not who it is I'm supposed to be. But you ask the right question, where is God? You do ask the right question, where is his power? And God will answer you with, hey, look, you cried out, and now I'm here. I am here. And I will bring my power. Every time God shows up, he shows up with power. He can't help it, that's who he is. Every time God shows up, he shows up with deliverance. He can't help it, that's who he is. You are going to be free when you run into God. You are going to be resurrected when you run into Jesus. You just can't help it. He is the resurrection and the life. And when you run into Jesus, you will run into resurrection. You will run into freedom. Amen. So when you cry out to the Lord, you've cried out to the right one. But don't say, where are you, God? And why are we in this mess? You abandon us. No, no. You walked away from him. Let's get it straight. Amen. Verse 14. And then the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand, am I not sending you? Now, deliverance from sin, deliverance from the Midianites, begins to happen when you rise up to fight against it. See, you can never embrace the thing you're supposed to be delivered from. You've got to understand, God will come and bring deliverance, but you're going to have to face off with this thing. You're going to have to face off with it. You're going to have to say, you are not for me. You are my enemy. And, and I am here to tear this thing down. And I am going to do it with the power that God puts in me. I'm going to do it under the prophetic. I'm going to do it under his deliverance. But I am not friends with you. I remember one time I told a guy, this is back in the days of VCRs. And he was renting all the wrong tapes. Because back away, it's people like, that VCR. And I told him, listen, this thing has this bondage on you. I want you to do this. I want you to take your VCR. I want you to take it out into the driveway. I want you to throw it up as high as you can into the air and let it smash in the driveway into a million pieces. And he's like, mm, like it costs $300. I don't care what it cost. You throw that thing. You bash it into a million pieces the end of the story was very terrible it didn't end well he didn't do that he had all kinds of reasons why and compromise and so forth I'll tell you it's not until you face off with this enemy and say no I I am going to fight against you in the name of Jesus you are not going to define me I am against you how dare you try to take away my destiny my heritage my future who it is God wants me to be I am against you in Jesus name When you begin to rise up and fight like that, doesn't the Bible say, resist the devil and he will flee from you? You need to let the devil know, look, it's on. It's on, amen? So it goes on in verse 15. And this is so so cool because Gideon is still caught in this this spirit of brokenness. He's still caught in the place of Israel in its backslidden state, and he sounds like it. But Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. And then the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down the Midianites together. See, because sin cannot overpower. I want I want to announce that truth to you today. Sin cannot overpower. Sin does not overpower. Sin does not have power over you. It doesn't have power over you. Don't let sin deceive you into thinking, oh no, it's stronger than you. I can't help it. I can't. I just can't. No, you can. You can. Amen? You have power over this thing because Jesus, by the blood, broke the power of sin in the grave. And so the Lord says, I'm going to be with you. And then in verse 17, Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. And here is the sign tonight that is really God talking to you. That he sends the pastor up here to speak to you tonight, to prophesy over you, to read your mail, and to tell you there is a deliverance in Jesus Christ for you tonight. That he can set you free, completely free. He can set you totally free. And I am here as a sign... Many times when I talk to people and minister to people, I, I pray with them for a sign. And Gideon is saying what you would say to God, give me a sign. I want to be free from this, but give me a sign. Give me a sign. I remember when uh, I wanted to quit smoking. and I was say for a year and a half still smoking. And I, I mean, I, I tried everything. I, I don't know how many of you guys maybe are, are in this place. But if you are, you can relate to me. I would take my cigarettes after smoking one. I would take the entire pack and put it under the faucet and fill it up with water and crush it and twist it and throw it in the trash, tears coming down my eyes, and say, you will not take away my destiny. You are not going to have this hook, this this addiction. You're not going to have it. And I would pray. Two o'clock in the morning, I'd be over there with the, in the in the trash un, untangling the thing, taking it out, heating up the cigarette, trying to dry it out. Two o'clock in the morning, there I am, being the person outside in my driveway who I was never called to be, smoking some broken-down, flea-bitten cigarette. And I would hate it, and I would throw it down. I would throw these cigarettes out the window. I would drive an hour, because everything was closed at two o'clock in the morning. I would drive an hour to a place to pull one pack out of the cigarette machine and smoke one cigarette and throw those the rest of them out the window as I was driving home and say god that's the last you know how many times i said that people at my workplace would say you quit again huh i would say yeah you get a cigarette you quit buying that's what you did I would pull up into church at the parking lot, I would take my cigarettes and I would throw them under my seat. I I didn't want to be an offense. I didn't want to be a reproach. I didn't want to hurt anybody. But I had to be honest with God. This thing, I'm struggling. And I think God honors that. Look, son, you're fighting. You're crying out. You're saying this is not... I knew, I knew that God had something for my life and I wasn't going to get there while I was addicted to cigarettes. I'm not condemning you here. If you're, if you're here and you're, you smoke or whatever, I'm not condemning you. I'm saying that I knew that I was addicted to the thing and it was, it was not what God had for me. And one night we had an altar call. And I'll tell you, this is your sign tonight that God wants to set you free from whatever it is that's trying to put you under bondage. This is your sign tonight. And I'm speaking it over you. God is... He hears... The cry inside your heart that you want to be free. I remember I went to the altar and I lifted my hands. And and, and for the first time, I surrendered. I surrendered to the Lord. Tears came down my cheeks and I had my hands lifted up. And I said, God, if you don't help me, I cannot be helped. And I just cried there at the altar. It's kind of funny because I left there and I didn't think another thing about it. The next morning, I was, I was uh, refurbishing my, uh, my living room. The next morning, and I'm out on my table saw, and I'm cutting a piece, and I thought to myself, I, I, I think I forgot. I forgot something. What am I forgetting? I'm looking around. What am I forgetting? Then I thought, I usually would have at least one or two cigarettes by now. I, I, I totally forgot. I, I totally forgot. It was about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, the same thing that came over me. You know, you're forgetting something. What is it? And I thought, my cigarettes are still in my car under the seat. I I, I forgot all about them. I'll tell you, they stayed there for about another two days. I didn't even throw them out. I just, I was so delivered by the power of the Lord from bondage. Now, if you've ever quit smoking, what happens is your your, your mouth breaks out and you, you, you get irritable and all these other things happen to you and so forth. None of it. None of it happened to me. In fact, when I did go to work, people would say to me, hey, have you quit smoking? And I would say, "Uh, I think so. (laughs) And they would say, I can tell. It's off of you. It's lifted off of you. They they weren't even saved. They were talking like in spiritual terms. It's off of you. It's lifted off of you. You definitely are are free from it. I was like, thank the Lord. But I want you to know that, that God comes to you and he, he wants to give you a sign that he can set you free, completely free. He can set you completely free. But you need to say, I am not supposed to be this. I am ready to fight against this thing. But I, but I want, want you to know, there is never deliverance without repentance. There is never deliverance without repentance. Gideon had to make an altar. They built an altar to the Lord. And they came back and they repented from the, serving the false gods and so forth. There has to be a repentance. There has to be a godly sorrow. There has to be a confession before the Lord. And then say, God, and I, I, I want to fight against this thing. In all of your power, God, come and deliver me and set me free.
0: Hey, everybody. Jordan Boyce here to talk to you about Easter that's coming up very soon, and we're going to have it at the Dunkin' Donut Center here in Providence, Rhode Island. All four of our campuses, all eight of our services will be coming together in one location at the Dunk at 10.30 a.m. to have a mega worship service together. And so we want to invite you. This is a free event. It is for all ages, and uh, we have tons of stuff planned. Not only will it be an incredible service where I believe many people will be impacted and changed, But we have lots of stuff planned for the kids. We have a family photo booth forum, Meet the Easter Bunny. We have 35,000 Easter eggs that we're going to give to the kids that show up and and face painting. All that fun stuff out in the lobby. And and inside, it will be a worship experience with an uplifting message, something that you can bring your entire family to. We were really encouraging not only for you to show up, but for you to invite your friends, invite your family, save some rows, and uh, bring them out to church in an arena on Easter. And I think it's going to be a pretty special experience. So we'd love to see you out there. Mark your calendars now. Help us spread the word and get excited because I think God is going to begin something brand new, even for our church in this region on that Sunday. And I hope you'll be a part of it.
1: Thanks for listening to the New Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out online by visiting www.atnewlife.org. Also, if you're in the Rhode Island or Massachusetts area, we invite you to join us this Sunday at one of our services. Visit at newlife.org slash locations for more information.